0: all right two hats family welcome back we have a uh, great episode for you guys today we are uh, interviewing dwight he is a juvenile parole officer in the midwest so good afternoon uh, dwight, good say people. hi to the fam
1: good afternoon good people brittany uh, chris right. good afternoon
0: thank you thank you and we appreciate you coming on we thank
1: appreciate you, for you having being me. a
0: part of the two hats family podcast so uh Our standard questions we ask everybody. On the two hat scale from one to ten with one being a social worker and ten being law enforcement, cop, you know, deputy sheriff, where would you say your department is on the two hat scale?
1: (sighs) Right in the right more so, I'm going to say four. So that's more toward the social social work. More toward the social work, uh, more, yeah, four, three, four, three, four.
0: Okay. So the follow up question is, what, what, where's the white on the two hat scale? Your your agencies are four. What are you?
1: I can honestly say I'm 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 five, five okay. six. Cause I know with us, um, the way I view it, working with kids, they're the ultimate lie detector test. So you can't just be strictly hammer and nail. You yeah, got show them a little one, too. So I try to find that balance between parole and big brother. Okay. Because you can't you can't, you can't be all the way one, then you can't also be all the way the other because they'll take advantage of you. So that that sweet spot in the middle. Tell me about it. If that ain't the truth. What
2: made you want to get into juvenile parole?
1: Uh I actually went to college to become an engineer at first, and I got bored with it. Then my dean of students told me to take a sociology class. And ever since that day, I knew I was good with people. And I used to tell my mother I always wanted brothers and sisters I'm only child. And she was like, one day you're going to work with a whole bunch of kids and them to be your brothers and sisters. And lo and behold, look where I'm at now. <laughs> so your mom every-
2: manifested that.
1: <laughs> yes, she did. She she I, I wasn't even supposed to be born. So the fact that I'm here, she's like, you're going to get all the brothers and sisters you want. So that's pretty dope.
0: So do you do you view your role working with juveniles as the big brother type? Is that is that how you approach the job?
1: Of course we have our certain standards and policies, but I try I tell my kids off the bat, I don't want to use my badge unless I have to. So if we can work something out or do things on a in house level before I have to use my badge, then we okay if I have to use my badge, understand, I mean, you cross the line that forces me to do so. That's how I try to operate, personally.
0: That's interesting. You know, uh, as everyone in the Two Hats family knows is that I was a juvenile probation officer in Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, right below Pittsburgh. And I remember when I first started, our um, assistant chief, uh, I think he actually, yeah, when I first started, the assistant chief asked me, he was like, hey, do you have any 13-year-old friends? I was like, No. Don't start. Simple as that. You got. You got. There's a. There's a line. Uh, we don't go for. We didn't do it as a. You know, big brother, big sister. It was more like uh, we kind of went for the more role model. The role, more role model approach is where I'm. I'm here to show you how you should act, how you should behave, and I'm also here to hold you accountable if you aren't following through with the rules of juvenile probation um okay which i, th- I think it's a little it's a little bit different approach than maybe a big brother uh to me in my mind and i'll let you explain you know the big brother thing i feel like it's more like you're kind of trying to be on their level to a degree um i mean i could be wrong but how, how would you how would you define that big brother role that you try to go for
1: so i'm not too far removed from the age range of that i work with um the state that I'm in we're up to age 21, and I had some – when I was their age, I, you know, we all have a history. Luckily, I wasn't caught, or thank God I wasn't caught doing what I was doing, but I can relate and understand a lot. I can empathize a lot. So I know, like, in the city I'm in, I'm from, I those are the kids that I have on my caseload. So a lot of times I know where they're coming from, and I know the system is already not built – to truly help the way it should. So I just try to be that hand that I wish I had when I was in the truth That makes sense.
2: How old are you? You mentioned I'm your 35.
1: Age. I just turned oh. 35 in March.
2: And how long have you been a PO? Uh
1: when I was juvenile pro I started in the judicial system in two thousand the end of twenty thirteen. I was in the county from two thousand December thirty first, two thousand thirteen, to May 26th, two thousand fifteen. Been in juvenile parole since.
2: Okay, how many um, years is that? I can't be doing mental math over here. Eight. <laughs> seven, seven going on eight. Okay,
1: okay, that's better. That's that's a pretty,
2: pretty good
1: amount of time. <laughs> yeah. So you in it for had, long haul? I'm, I'm 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 in it. Uh, whenever I do get burnt out with the judicial system, I'm thinking about opening up my own mentoring agency. But until that time come, I know my job is not done with the badge yet. So I'm, I'm here for a while.
0: That's dope. Explain to us in your state how the system works. So, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, there's just juvenile probation. There is no juvenile parole. Even if a child gets sent to placement, when they get back from placement, they're still on probation with their probation officer. Um, so explain to us how the system works. I know you said you were a juvenile probation officer working at the county level. Yes. I think you said now you were juvenile parole working on a state level. So explain yes. to us how the system works in your state.
1: So when you're not, if you don't get sent to prison, whether it's even, so in the adult system, of course, if you do something that doesn't send you to prison and it's just a county jail, whenever you come out nine times out of 10, you're on probation because that's on the county level. Whereas if you get a state number and actually go to a state prison, when you come home, you're on parole. So it's the same thing for the kids. We have a kid county system and a kid state system. Uh, When they go to the detention center, wherever they're from, in that county, when they come home, they're probably on probation or they get sentenced or disposition to probation. And if they actually go to our kid prison system, our juvenile prison system, when they come home, they have a state number under the state that they're in for juvenile parole.
0: Now, is it, so is it like the adult system where depending on the crime, if they get convicted, they can go straight to juvenile prison? Or is it always they go through probation first, and if they fail at probation, then they go to juvenile prison?
1: So, yes, there is levels to it. Um, If you got your misdemeanors and your low, your higher felonies, like the F-5s and F-4s, the what first are, time because, you know
0: different states have different uh coding systems, so what so, we consider what kind of charge would we consider f four f five
1: uh vandalism uh, theft of a motor vehicle uh some domestic violence charges, even though some of those on the kid on the juvenile level are mostly misdemeanors. you can't touch our juvenile prison system till you at least get a felony if you have any misdemeanors, you will never see it um we do have. Sometimes where, if the whatever charge they do is egregious enough, they can be bound over to the adult system and tried as an adult. But even then, that adult judge can say, "Okay, I still going to place him or her under the juvenile system," and they might have an adult tail over their head, which is called SYO, Serious Youth Offender. So there's a lot of levels to it, but If you have have nothing, all misdemeanors, you will never see our juvenile prison system. If you have higher felonies up to maybe an F3, depending on the judge, you might get a suspended commitment or sent to our juvenile prison system. F2s and F1s, nine times out of ten, you're being sent straight to us.
2: So what does that's your success
1: right. rate look like with these parolees, juvenile parolees? Uh, as a state, our recidivism rate is like almost 50 percent, which is not the greatest. Um, I know in the that state that's like 30. You guys are 50 right now. Well, I'm always judging it off the city because my city commits the most juvenile offenders to mm-hmm. our system. But we have, like, this serious gang issue right now that was created a while ago in the juvenile system that has taken over the whole prison system, kid and adult. And when they come home, they still show loyalty to that that brand, and they do a lot of things that under that name that gets them in trouble very quickly. So we're dealing with that right now.
0: Do you have any officers that are strictly... Uh... Gang officers, like where I'm at, we have entire officers and units that are strictly for gang offenders. And all they do is supervise gang offenders. And of course the gang offenders, they have different um conditions that they have to abide by that regular offenders don't. Um, so they kind of like have their own units and they do a lot of stuff together. They go out together, do the searches, you know, things like that. They're out there in the streets. Do you guys have like a specific gang unit?
1: No, um, for parole, whatever you get is whatever you get, whenever that, that name comes across your desk. Um, now, in the prisons, we do have gang coordinators, but that's just to make sure they label whoever is what, which is mainly one of two or three gangs. Um, but for me, I have murderers, rapists, uh, a whole bunch of ag robs. Gang. I have a smorgasbord of everything. Most POs that's in our state. So on, ju- on, on juvenile
0: parole, you have murderers and rapists and things like that. Yeah, so that's yeah. just crazy. That's crazy because in PA, they're the way they, the way PA operates is they have what's called a juvenile act, and there's actually there's actually only there's certain crimes that are not considered juvenile offenses. So if a juvenile commits murder, rape, aggravated rape, and those kind of things. Those are not considered juvenile offenses. Those are automatically you go to adult court. You do not. There is no. There is no juvenile system for you when you commit those particular offenses. But for you guys, there is. Yes,
1: um, that's crazy. Like, the, some they take into a lot of factors: the age of when it happened, the victim, the circumstances behind it. That's a lot of stuff that is done before we even get the 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 case in front of us. Um, but right now, I have a. 13-year-old, he came to us when he was 11. And the court hand-picked me to have this kid because in the beginning, he had juvenile life for manslaughter. He appealed this case, got out. He murdered somebody it, at 11? Uh, that's what the papers say. I ain't going to say whether I believe it or not, but that's what he was charged with, and that's what he was found um, the link the, the it on. It was a higher-profile case. Um. Allegedly, he killed his father's. Well, I'm going to say allegedly. The paper said his, he killed his father's girlfriend. 15 shots straight to the chest. If you see this kid, there's no way he did that with that type of caliber and with the no gun residue on him. But at the end of the day, I don't, we don't fight the case. We just get whatever comes to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Then I have like four. Rapists on my caseload. Um, whole bunch of ag robberies. Whole bunch of gang specs. Stuff of that nature.
2: Since you've been in the game so long, can you share with us like one of your craziest stories that's happened while you've been a P.O.? Without giving away too much detail, of course.
1: <laughs> from a kid to perspective that. Or from my, I, something that happened to me? Like, I had kids that was on first 48 while on parole. So you want something serious or you want something funny?
2: <laughs> I want something but that
1: also the nobody would
2: believe happened and I want it to have happened to you like with you in, in your presence
1: okay so when I worked as a juvenile probation officer I was an investigative PO so we did everything here we can't say sentencing for a kid we call it disposition so I did all the stuff to basically assess this kid to see if he needed parole or probation or not or should he go yeah, to like the
0: investigation uh, Say again? Like a pre sentence investigation.
1: Yes. All right, cool. Um, and I was doing a home visit, talking to him and his family, and he was known for stealing phones from everybody. So I'm doing my talking to the family, get a knock on the door. Two dudes, they opened the door. Two dudes was like, hey, man, you got five minutes to give my sister a phone back, or we all coming in and get everything. So I look outside. And it's like a small yard, but it's like 75 people outside waiting to see if this dude going to give the sister back the phone that he took. So I just said, okay, um, my visit is done. <laughs> I, I pulled out my, my credentials. I walked out. I looked for who I thought was in charge, which is usually the biggest dude or the cockiest dude. Gave him the little black man head nod. He gave me the nod. And I left. I didn't want no parts of that.
2: You walked. It was like a little army outside waiting.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, seventy. I counted seventy-five people. Oh yes. my Cell phone. Well, he's known for stealing cell phones. And when I got to the car, I called my supervisor. I said, "Yo, should I call the police?" He said, "You might want to just let them know the situation." Called the police and I left because we don't.
0: Yeah, I think right
1: for juveniles, we don't carry weapons. Period.
0: Not even for parole.
1: Juvenile anything juvenile? There are no weapons. Period.
0: I'm about to say we were armed back in PA.
1: That's crazy. Ad- now, now adult adult parole, you're armed, but adult probation, you're not armed. Anything with juveniles, you're not armed. They give us best, but we don't have no no firearm or anything.
0: Do you get like OC or baton or anything?
1: Flashlight.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So she, and, and with so you and with can that,
0: see and you could stop the bullets, but that's yeah,
1: about. With that it being is. with that being said, I, I I I know it's against all rules, but if I'm not carrying a firearm, I'm not wearing the vest. Makes no point for me, especially with the neighborhoods I go into. Some people may think I'm coming for somebody else. And I'm just doing a visit for a kid, so I don't want that type of attention on me or the family I'm going to.
0: Do you guys make arrests?
1: We can. Very suddenly, I don't even think I. No one has done that since I've been hired with this agency. We you just, if we put out a warrant, the sheriff's office or the U.S. Marshals will take care of it. Wow, that's that's
0: that's definitely different from uh, yeah. Where I was very. Office. We we handled all our own stuff.
1: Yeah, we don't really rumble and tumble. That's why I say I know we're more social work toward that social work skill that you were talking about.
2: I like that. What is the process to get hired? Is it hard to get hired there?
1: No, you just gotta have a bachelor's and, and experience with kids. You ain't gotta take no physical test or nothing like that. It's just, boom, boom, boom. If they like you, you're hired.
2: And you do you have to have experience? You say experience with kids, but do you have to have experience in probation?
1: Oh, uh, they prefer it, yes. But as long as you have experience where it will benefit the position that you're looking for. Okay before have you ever i even had
2: to be have you ever had to be hands-on with any of these kids that you supervise
1: no um if i'm hands-on it's usually because they ain't done well and like i said i look at it as a i try to be like a big brother so i might give them a little love tap to the chest just let them know i can fold them if i want to um but i've never had to truly be hands-on with a kid period
0: well that's good
1: but i, I know i don't know about the states but when a kid goes to juvenile prison, they're on parole while doing their time and when they come home for actual parole in the community. So oh. I have time to build rapport from their time that they're serving all the way up to when they come home and then they actually have to do parole with me.
2: Oh, that is different.
1: So half my caseload may be like with this COVID thing coming to an end, we just got a memo saying that. Even though we're still working from home, all our parole duties will be back to normal on June 14th. So now we can go back to the prisons and do our treatment teams with them. And 30 months, like, everything's back to normal to a certain extent. So half my caseload is doing their time. Half my caseload, whenever they come out, I'm in the streets. Wow. That sounds
2: like
1: a busy, busy, busy job. Um, I'm, well, if you, if you learn to be efficient, then it's not busy at all which my higher-ups don't like efficiency because then you look like you're not doing anything when you're just smart with what you're... Doing. That's another story for another.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about efficiency. How, how do you become efficient at a role like that where you have to do so much?
1: Um. So there's three actual juvenile prisons in the state that I'm in. And then we have these things called CCFs, which is like a step above a detention center. So most of my kids are in the three prisons. I know on Tuesdays I go to one because that's when they have all their treatment teams. So every Tuesday I'm there doing my walk arounds, talking to whoever I need to talk to, see whoever kids. Then Wednesday and Thursday. And then if I'm done early, I go maybe maybe go do what? Two or three community visits. May pop up at a school, pop up at home, pop up at work, wherever the kid is at. Then I just do my notes at the end of the day, and then I'm done at 4 o'clock.
2: And do you work weekends, too?
1: No. We don't do weekends. Um, I do. I shouldn't carry my phone with me, but I do just in the event that if, a, if one of my kids really are in a situation, I can be aware of it right then and there instead of hearing about something on Monday, which I've had a couple of kids get into some serious trouble over a weekend, but far and few in between.
2: Wow. And how is like is
1: the drug testing the same as with adult probation? Because I mean, adult parole. Uh, no, we they we have a computer generated thing that sends out a list of the ten percent of all kids in this agency who need to do it. But you can you can you can drug test that will though. And most of my kids, if they're working, I know they had to take a drug test to get the job. So if they lose the job, all right, let's go get you some treatment if you're holding on to it. Unless I feel like they're doing something stupid, then I try to let them be.
2: So you don't really drug test them a lot?
1: Uh, The ones that's not doing well, I do. The ones that's handling their business, I look at it like this. My job is not to be there forever. So if you're handling a lot of stuff on your own, I'm going to fall back unless you need me. Now, if this kid needs some extra tender love and care, I'm going to give a lot of my energy over there.
2: So it's totally at your discretion, because the agency that I used to work for, I mean, there was a set standard of, you know, how frequently these people, these adults needed to be tested. So with your agency or the one you used to work at, whichever, it's basically at will for the officer for, to decide.
1: For the most part. And then if a kid really has that type of issue, then they're getting services from somewhere where they're automatically getting that drug test every week anyway. So we don't have to do it. Oh, I like that.
2: Okay. Chris, was it like that in um, PA? You just test whenever the officer felt like it or felt it was um, needed.
0: If some users are concerned, then we then we did testing um, pretty frequently, um, at least at least once a month or more, depending on the substance that they're using. If it's weed, you know, we'll test them once a month. You know, if they're doing, you know, pills or opiates or something like that, then you know we might test them once a week. Just because you know it really stays in your system that long, but if they're constantly testing positive, that means they're constantly using it. Um, but dude, I'm just I'm just so disturbed right now that you are supervising murderers, rapists, and people that do armed robberies, and you in these streets with
1: with some hopes and wishes. Well, I I, I feel you and I understand, but I, I I truly believe that the rapport that I've built with my like. I'm known for having great rapport with my caseload. And I, if something don't even feel right, I'm not doing it. But most of my kids and the families that I work with, they they, they love me. So it's more so i probably got to worry about the neighborhood more than the kid or that family themselves.
0: I, I agree with you on the neighborhood part because I, uh, I had an inner city caseload. So I understand you know, going into a rough neighborhood where there's constantly shootings and all kinds of craziness going on in the streets. And I had a vest and I was armed and I was still, still very cautious about it. But, you know, the fact that you're doing it with kids that have way more serious charges than the juveniles I was dealing with, because we don't deal with those high end crimes like that. I just, oh man, I got,
1: I got, I got to give it to you, bro. But and then also, I, granted, I can't do it. Yeah, they also, granted, it does help that a lot of these high risk neighborhoods I've grown up in. So I know people, and I know what's shaking before I even go there. And a lot of times, I see it. I know something about the kids that they don't even think I know about them because I grew up here. I was born here. I lived here for four years. I, I've grown up in the in the. I've been in the stick not the stick, I've been in the slum so I'm, a lot of these places where the kids are from I'm well connected as well all
0: right so I know you can agree with me that with juveniles we all know that their brains are not fully developed they make rash and and irrational decisions all the time without thinking anything through that's a fact and then here you come with some authority over them and you do have the ability to take their freedom whether you do it on the spot or you have the sheriffs do it you have that ability and then here you are and you know I just, it, it just it don't it don't sit right with my spirit it don't it just don't um, well that once again that's where I've, ar- the- I've arrested juveniles that had guns on them I've arrested juveniles that were playing with guns on Facebook on Facebook videos. I've arrested juveniles that have committed armed robberies. Chris you know is always so that. to
2: Who don't carry? I don't know what it is. Chris does not like that at all.
0: <laughs> I don't. It's a dangerous job, and I I just don't believe that. You, when, you, when you're doing a job like this, and you're dealing with a clientele that's 100% convicted criminals, that you don't have the ability to protect yourself, it just, it just, it just at it, this it point, Chris, you. you
2: should believe it. There's a lot of POs out there that don't carry, and it's perfectly fine. And They've I been supervising I these people, it's
0: fine. <laughs> I understand, but the white over here messi- supervises some murderers and rapists and armed robbers. Of course, I mean, they but they're kids the at the end of the day they're still kids,, and kids are more likely to kill you than adults are because they will not yeah, think anything, anything through I believe i saw I saw in a uh in a one of those university studies or something that you know they're just more rash i mean we all know they're more rash and they're more likely to do things without thinking. <sighs> So it's
2: like you want to walk through life being on guard because these kids—they're out here in society every day. Not everybody's just walking around carrying pistols trying to protect themselves, like you are.
1: Outside of work, I, I do all day, all day. I, 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 I do support the Second Amendment off, off, off hours or off the clock. Same, so that, same. Now, but it goes back to once again: kids know who really care about them. Kids, I said this at the beginning, kids are the ultimate lie detector test. So my job is to show you, I'm first off, I'm not trying to lock you back up. My job is to help you become a productive citizen. And through the time where they're serving their time is where most of my rapport is built. So they get to see how I operate. Oh, he, okay, I did this. Instead of just trying to throw a book at me, he actually sat down and talked to me, doing this, doing that. What's that called? Recognitive drug brain, whatever that CBT stuff. We do a lot of that. I mean, behavioral so, therapy. Yeah, so when the kid sees that, damn, all right, he really—I don't dog him. I don't call him a fat MF. I don't know if I on here. He's still coming back, and he's still trying to show me the ropes. I'm a rock with him. Perfect example. Three weeks ago, I had a kid. I had to file a parole violation on him. Uh, he came. He came home January seventh. He went to All-Star Weekend. Didn't tell me nothing. I said, How? okay. Then he In called 11? up. To, yeah.
2: How'd you find out?
1: Oh, these kids, these, these kids drop snitch on themselves. Instagram all day. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. Um, A week later, he called up to one of the prisons to actually talk to a kid that's on my caseload about gang rankings. And that phone call was recovered or uh, recorded. Then he was on Instagram with guns. So I told him, I said, look, man, I have to violate you. Like, there's no way I can get around this, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, man, and he has that S.Y.O., that adult sentence of 11 years over his head. He's like, man, if you do that, man, I'm about to run. I said, think about it. You do what you want to do, but I can revocate you for 90 days and we can start over. Well, you can run and get caught, and now you got to go in front of that judge and hope he don't invoke that 11 years on your head. So he ran for two weeks. Then he called me, like, Mr. Dwight, can you walk me in? I said, sure. I walked him in. It's a juvenile court. He just got sentenced to 90 days down at Theodore County. And when he come out, we're going to redo his pro- parole, and we're going to start over. But that's trust, because he knows I'm not trying to give him that 11 years. But I still have to hold him accountable. If that makes sense. Because yeah. he hasn't caught, he hasn't caught an actual new charge. Technically, it's just a parole violation. Now, if he caught a new charge, it's out of my hands. But once again, that's that rapport of I know he's not trying to send me away for 11 years either. So there's there's a lot of give and take. There's a lot of there's a lot of trust and gut feelings that you gotta live and die on. But I honestly wouldn't have it no other way. To be honest with you. It sounds crazy, but I'm pretty well at what I do in the state that I'm in. It sounds
2: like it. It sounds like you're doing a really good job out there. We need more people like you.
1: (laughs) Sometimes I have kids that, can you be my parole officer? We don't have a choice, but they're like, man, you care. My parole officer never come to see me. I have no control over that. Because, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people in this field Eventually, it just becomes a paycheck to a lot of them. Yep. yep. So, once again, kids know who cares, regardless of how they treat you. They know who cares.
2: That's another thing I was going to ask you: Is there that stigma there that you know POs just want to see you locked up? They don't really oh, care about yeah. you, but you
1: <laughs> yeah. almost, almost had to smack the PO. Uh oh, what almost happened? Because to... he was just talking too crazy to a kid. It's like, yo, like it's not even that shit. Well i'm like all right man you need walk away will you tell me what i'm like bro i'm trying to help you out right now but if i gotta yoke you up i can yoke you up too but you treat this dude like he's like a real life some year old devil he's not that and he didn't even do nothing to warrant what you are giving him so why are you giving him this much sauce that makes sense
2: is that even allowed in your agency? Because the agency I used to work for, you know, you can't even talk disrespectfully to the offenders. That's like, frown. You know, you're not supposed to do so that.
1: So they, I, I have been spoken to about how I talk to my kids sometimes, but there's no book for this. I mean, there's a there's books for this, but sometimes you gotta talk to these kids the way they understand. And once again, if that kid knows you, they know it's not coming from a disrespectful place. It's just, yo, what the fuck you, oh, I'm sorry, what the F you doing? This is some BS and you know it's some BS. Why wow, you can't talk. This, come on, man, this dude over here drinking hand sanitizer in the prison, getting drunk. That's dumb. He needs to be taught to like how he's acting right now.
0: Oh, but you gotta I put the
1: If you put salt in hand sanitizer, you can remove the stuff and you get pure alcohol.
2: Wow. There's all type of stuff going on in these prisons.
1: Oh, man, these kids are geniuses. They just use it for the wrong stuff. But I, I mean, we are not supposed to talk certain ways to kids. I don't care because at the end of the day, as long as my family and kids know what time it is, I can care less about what they think. That's just how so I feel.
2: You, would you ever supervise uh, adults?
1: No, because if a wrong man tell me something we can go walk around the corner. I'll take my badge off and we can we gotta get 60 seconds in, period.
0: You can't
1: take it personal, man. Yeah, but, it but it's just uh, a job. But kids, keep me honest. Adults is like, dude, we just you talking. All right, I'm gonna take this badge off. Let's let's go let's go see who got hands. I can't I can't work with adults. I can't do it. Thanks.
2: And I feel like I could never work with juveniles. Like mm mm. It's
1: fun. Yeah, it honestly, is fun. Never get the same day twice for the most part. It's fun, and it's, it's very rewarding. When you actually see a click with a kid, and this was the worst kid ever, now they're working three jobs, making almost more money than you, and driving cars, and got their own spies. like, damn, he got it, or she got it. The, then at that case, the money's just a bonus, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, that is the best feeling for a PO to see the probationer just do well and excel. It,
1: it's it, it's like it's like a high. It's like yeah. it's really like a high. Chris, I like agree. what the hell going
2: on? <laughs> <laughs> Chris feels the same I way too, even though he's hear. just <laughs> quiet. No, it's,
0: it's, it's, hey, listen, man. I'm just you know, I'm just listening. I'm thinking back to my juvenile probation days, and you know, I'm just trying to come up with some questions so one thing I know a lot of people ask me about when they want because they want to get into juvenile probation is like they're like, what's the hardest part? And I always tell them the hardest part is the parents. Not necessarily even the kids, it's the parents. Talk on it.
1: I ain't on parole, my kid is. But well, I gotta oh yeah. I mean, a lot you see where the juvenile gets their behavior from when you look at the parents. When a parent, all right, I'm I'm gonna smoke weed on this visit, but you don't have to do it. Do as I say, not as I do, or Mm -hmm. I mean shit, he got he gotta put food on the table, what I'm supposed to do. So you don't let your kid risk going to prison just because you want to be lazy or do whatever you doing, which is not being productive. Yeah, parents and paperwork is the hardest thing about this job, because I hate doing paperwork too. I hate it with a passion. If I could pay someone to do my paperwork half my check, I would do that.
2: <laughs> That's how I felt, too. Paperwork was the worst part, for sure. Oh.
1: Especially when it's redundant. Oh, yeah. Lord. But parents, and especially in the Black community, and I hate saying this, but we got to be real, 18 ain't grown. Stop treating your kids like they're grown at 18. They, they can barely wipe their ass right. Give them some more time to truly... The skills they need before you try to kick them out or do this and do that, because you didn't have it together when you was 18. So how do you expect a kid who's doing some bullshit for you to have it together at 18? So they don't want to
2: take responsibility anymore. They just like oh, throw my hands
1: up. Or when you come into the picture, oh, you can be the parent now. I can chill. No, 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 no. My job is to help y'all work on this on y'all own. I'm just here as a tool. So. Yeah, parent, so parents. Parents, they, they want
0: the PO to be the parent. That's not our job, right? At all.
1: He ain't take the garbage out. Why are you calling me? That's your house, right? Well, make him say no. You hold him accountable, but you his PO. I don't live there. You Want me to hold this? <laughs> take, handle your business. Yeah, it's that's a whole another just ninety minute topic by itself.
0: Right. Right. So let me ask you a question because I know you're dealing with uh, you're saying the gang problem is really bad where you're at. So my question then because I know while we didn't really have major gangs in the area I covered we had a little, a little more like small little cliquish type things they weren't like real gangs or more cliquish but the main issue I dealt with is that it's like I can spend an hour talking to this kid and I could feel like I got through to him. I feel like you know he's really taken away. He kind of kind of has the game plan you know we develop the plan he kind of knows what he has to do but then as soon as he leaves all the negative influences hit him at once and it's like that. all that time I spent with him goes out the window because it's more important to him how his friends and community view him as opposed to how I view him or how the court sees him or what he has to do so how do, you, how, do you, how do you deal with that?
1: Well, so this is where the social work side of me comes out. The kid hears everything you're saying and is actually soaking it in. But like you said, when you leave out there, self-preservation is the first law of nature. When that kid is out there amongst his peers, he already has a reputation he has to uphold or something's going to happen to that kid if there's consequences to pay for not doing certain things. So, yeah, court can be a consequence, but okay, these dudes can touch me at any time if I don't adhere to certain things or if I gave an oath to be a part of this. They're more afraid of that than court or prison because they know this can kill me. This can't. I can do this time. These dudes can, they know my mama, they know this and that. So with the gang that we're dealing with, which is more so a clique, because it's not like Bloods or Crips, but it's very prominent in my city a lot of the prisons in the state that I'm in. It started off as a juvenile clique, but these dudes and girls are—they have infiltrated city structures, city city government, or they're in places where somebody's being watched at all times. So I'll put it like that. They have ears, you no? Know, they have—they could be They got good reach. Oh my god! So, so when these kids. Now, some of them play it, but then some are really about it, and if they try to get out or not do something, they have some big consequences waiting on them. And sometimes it's it's, it's death because all these kids are quick to want to prove something that doesn't need to be proved, if that makes sense. They want to kill somebody so they can have the rep of, I got a body. Now that's two lives gone. You kill somebody, you're going away forever. And whoever sent you to do that, they just – now, oh, man, little such and such. He down for, for, for 20. All right, let's keep it moving. So we got a lot of... The fake thugs are the ones you got to worry about the most because they got the most support. I'll put it like that. But how they still, is local how, law enforcement dealing, dealing
2: with that? this gang situation?
1: <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth on that question.
2: Oh, I want to know. We're going to talk about Here, this off the record.
1: Just in case... If somebody see this in the city, I'm in. Like I said, things that have been infiltrated before. Who's to say certain things aren't still being infiltrated? Oh man. That's how serious this so-called clique is.
0: Gotcha. How how well does your agency work with
1: local law enforcement? Very well. Um, we have specialized people that's administrators that are strictly there to bridge those relationships and give information and so on and so forth. And on top of that, just me, the individual PO can build their own network of, if I got a lot of kids coming from this neighborhood, it'd be smart for me to know who the people are that police the neighborhood or service the neighborhood. So if something goes down, you can get the real information instead of coming from five, six, seven degrees from what really happened and know who to reach and all that. So it's, it, I can say that's a pretty we, – we're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at that.
0: Do you guys do any um, – I know you guys don't really do arrests. I mean, do you guys do any kind of, like, joint operations together?
1: No. We're not there to kick in doors. Um, the most we might do is if we really need to search something, once again, we call the sheriffs, That meet us there – and they walk us around to search. But even then, if you're doing your job the right way, you don't even need that. Because I know with me, if I'm looking for something, the kid will probably hand it to me. Or show me what, I need to be, what needs to be seen, so on and so forth. And if it's I mean, that dangerous, we're just not dealing with it. The sheriffs and the marshals keep on deal with it, period.
0: I mean, if the police are suspecting that one of your guys has a gun or something, you know, he might have be been involved in something. He might be holding a weapon. Well, our, city exactly a a
1: strictly, our city has a task force strictly. Our city has a task force strictly for that to kick in doors and do whatever. So we don't even have to make that call. They just letting us know we're looking for such and such, and if we find them, we take them. Okay. okay. I'm gonna call. Hey, man, you know you got people looking for you. What you want to do? What happened? I ain't even do nothing. You might want to turn yourself in before they find. You. So we are not even really pulling that type of muscle because if their name is in something, something higher above us is already aware just letting us know if they're looking for our kid. And they probably calling us to say, "Where does he hang out at? Or where can we find?" Him?
0: So they're using you more as uh, for information as opposed to.
1: I'm, do you guys have search authorities? We do. We just don't use it. We we don't use it because if we got use it at that point, they've already done yeah. something where we're being used as a collateral at that point, basically. If that makes sense. like We're being used, like you said, for information because they already know what's going on, and they just need us to point us in the right direction.
0: Interesting. So what... We'll- how would you how would you feel if one day you know, your agency was like, hey, listen, we need to start making some changes. Uh, we're gonna start arming you guys. We're gonna start you know putting together different um different units. Um, you know, we want to put you know, we want a gang unit. We want to you know a high risk unit.
1: We want to they... put
0: uh, you know, we want to uh, I don't know. We want we you know, we want you guys out there doing searches. If they start going towards that direction. Do you feel like if you do feel like you would leave
1: the job? No. You know, um, way maybe seven or eight years before I even got hired into this agency, they had a sex offender unit, gang unit, mental health unit, this unit, that unit. We never had weapons. Now, allegedly, down the line, we're supposed to be merging with the adult prison system and go, we're just going to be a, under their umbrella. Now, if that happens. I can see us doing more of what you're talking, but until that merger happens, if it happens, we won't be doing that at all. But allegedly we're supposed to be merging under the umbrella of the adult system and we're just a juvenile department of that adult system. That's where it looked like it's going. They trying to say, they tell, you know, they like to tell us, no, that's not happening when you can see it, but whatever.
2: And did you say that the adult system, the POs are armed or is at their discretion? Oh, Okay, they
1: are. Adult adult parole is armed. Okay. Like, they have to carry. Like, if you don't carry your firearm, you can be reprimanded for it. Okay.
2: So, do you think when that merger happens, then you guys might have to carry as well?
1: Probably, because they're probably moving from 21 to 24. And I'm not opposed to it. Like I said, I don't, I don't. I'm, I'm cool either way. I'm just not going to wear a vest if I don't have a firearm to protect. So you want to give me something to stop bullets, but I can't do nothing to protect myself if I'm back into a corner. I'm cool.
0: (laughs) Do you think your juveniles would look at you different or you think your relationship with them will be different if you show up, you know, you're wearing body armor, you have a firearm, you have handcuffs, um, I don't know, OC spray or whatever, um, if you um, have this equipment on, do you think that changes your relationship, your rapport with them?
1: It will at the beginning because it's going to look more uh, authoritative. But once again, if I'm communicating to them who I am and how I operate outside of the umbrella that I work under, I think I can still be able to carry myself the way I do and still have that trust and rapport with the kid and the family.
2: It might be a little bit harder to build that rapport once you coming yeah, through will, with that vest will,
1: and that gun. It will, it will be, but if I just explain to them up front, hey, this is how I got to do it. Like, These are my policy rules I have to follow. So I'm very transparent with my kids, too. Like, hey, There's certain things I have to follow that it just is what it is. So if I got to pull that card, understand I'm not pulling it with no malice intent. It's just my job. Anything outside of that, I try to work with you. I even talk to the family. Like, hey, if some things can be handled in house, we gonna handle it in house. So, once again, you're showing them my job is not to lock your kid up. Period. That's not my job. If that was the case, I'd just be the police.
2: <laughs> that was kind of re- one of the reasons why I started talking about probation on on YouTube was to kind of break down that stigma of that people have a probation officers and parole officers like hey they just want to lock us up mm-hmm. when it's really not that so all the po's listening if y'all want to leave a comment below chime in on this because this is this is something we need to talk about
1: Yes, we're, we're, we're not police. No, that's not. Our, our goal is to help you stay away from prison and jail period and if we can guide you in a certain way and help you with certain goals and stuff to help Avoid you messing with the police, that's what we're supposed to do. So I always had well, kids recently tell me accountable. Oh yeah, that that's a that's a fact. That's that's a given. Yes, we're going to hold you accountable, but we're not trying to hey I man I take this dude, he needs to go away. Period. We're not trying yeah, to Yeah,
2: our goal is not to have you locked up. That's not the goal. Which period. they think that that's the goal. <laughs>
1: If, if it was up to me, I want to work to a point where I don't have job security. That means I'm doing my job right.
2: Yes, I love that. Yes. Chris, how do you feel about that? Chris is over here like... I know.
1: <laughs> he, he is, he, he's flabbergasted. I, I know. He
2: really is. You know, Chris talks, and I'm surprised you ain't got... Cat got his tongue today.
1: Like, look, what's the If you got it on your mind, I'm an open book as much as I can be. Let's talk.
0: No, no. no. This, this is a this is a great conversation. Um. I mean, I, I, agree with, I agree with a lot of things you're saying. So, I mean, definitely. Like I said, I'm, still, I'm just sitting here kind of just reflecting back on my juvenile days. Um, you know, because I think I did learn a lot. I think I took a lot from working with juveniles, and I do apply that to now I work with adults. And I think I do apply a lot of that. And I think a lot of that makes me a good officer. Because I do have officers, like you were talking about, that talk crazy to the offenders. You know what I mean? I don't like that um, you know, kind of talk down to them and things like that. And I, I you know, I'm not, I don't challenge them to fight, but I do, you know, I do say, you know, man, maybe you should kind of, you should really talk to them like that. Cause then, you know, you're kind of creating conflict. That's not necessary. Cause in reality, it's either they do or they don't. And that's what I try to impose. I try to impart upon the offenders. It's like, you either do what you're supposed to do and you're ordered to do, or you don't. And it's your choice. And I don't take anything personal. If you don't do it, you're not. It's, it's not hurting me, but realize I, I I'm gonna be there to arrest you. I'm the guy that has to hold you accountable because that's the job that I have, and the courts are looking at me to do that. So, like I like to say, I don't take anything personal. You, you know, listen. If you the judge try to do X Y Z, you ain't do X Y Z. I need you to turn around, put your hands behind your back, bend over slightly, click clack. Let's go. I got to get out. Put a bond on you. If you get out, you get out. If you don't. We'll, we'll, I'll see when we when we get to court. You know what I mean? It's nothing personal. It is what
1: it is. So how many, like, working with adults, do you give them wiggle room to try to fix what they need to fix, or is it just, you know, do this as a wrap? Um, yes.
0: I mean, our ultimate goal is to work with them. We give people chances. We try to, you know, steer them to the right community resources that they need. But well, clearly, if it's you know, if you're constantly coming in, and you're constantly testing positive, you know, you burning up the drug test, and you're doing that consistently, and you're not going to the treatment that I re- I referred you to. I put all the work in to get you into a program, and you're not you're not working it because you decided that you just want to keep doing what you're doing. At some point, like right, Nah, I I, I got to do what I got to do because in the end, I got to keep keep the community safe because whatever you're doing is affecting the community because you ain't got no job but you use all these drugs so where the money coming from because you're victimizing somebody you know what i'm saying that's the way i look at it
2: do you feel dwight do you feel as if there's any tools or resources that you wish you had to help you do your job better or to help the kids more
1: If I really sit and think about it, I can think of some small things, but at the end of the day, I am my best tool because at the end of the day, once they leave prison, I'm still going to the house. I'm still dealing with I'm still dealing with you. So I am the tool. If I, like if that. I, if I can't get something done, then hopefully I have something at my disposal that can help me. But ultimately it's us. So I, overall, no. Of course, there always could be small things like consistent programming amongst whoever's in the community. But that's something that's out of my control. So whatever. But I'm the I'm the tool. We are the tool. That's how. Oh, that's, that's the it.
2: question that I have. I have for juvenile probation. Are they required to pay any money?
1: Well, they or have restitution. Calls? Yeah, they have restitution through the court. I got a kid that owes two thousand. to pay. Huh? Say again. I'm sorry. How,
2: how do they expect kids to pay for something like the one that you had was 11 or 13? Uh, how How are they supposed to pay for this?
1: Well, he doesn't. Now, if it's restitution, then yes. But if it's just court costs, they can waive or suspend that. But I have a kid right now that holds twenty thousand dollars.
2: When you say kid, how old is this kid?
1: <laughs> oh well, I have a juvenile. He right now he just turned 19, but when he come home. Has twenty thousand dollars he had to pay back because he destroyed the Bentley. Wow, so you gotta get a job and (laughs) fill up with that uh, that car payment.
2: What is the what is are there any consequences if they cannot pay?
1: Oh, I think they pay, then. I mean, technically, it can expire because as a juvenile, they have up to age 21. Now, I don't know how restitution works, but I'm pretty sure all juvenile sanctions end at 21 but oh, I, don't, I don't know for sure as far as the money part
2: because as a probation officer where i worked we put a lot of emphasis on paying money you know if you don't pay it's problems we had to impose sanctions and stuff like that so you don't really have to deal with that type of stuff as a juvenile parole officer uh,
1: not as much unless it's like either like someone a high end like that or a high end Media case, but most of the time, no, you don't.
2: Oh, I like that. Your focus, I see where your focus is. I like that a part of your job description.
1: Um, you just lost me. In focus, Should I say that again.
2: Oh, I see where the focus is for your department, and I like that about it.
1: You know, if it's something high media case or whatever, or they really mess something up, then you got to pay that person back. But most of the time, me, there's no real restitution or cost like that because they either beating somebody up, which is another kid, or robbing another kid or robbing somebody and come away with $20 is just more emotional damages than anything.
2: So Chris, do you have some more questions before we start wrapping it up?
0: Yeah, I do. I know, Um, have you ever had a situation, because I, I know I've had a couple of them where, you know, some juveniles you've worked with you know, for a while and either while they're still on probation or, or they're still on your supervision or they recently get off supervision, And then you find out that they get murdered in the streets. Have you had any of those situations?
1: I've had two kids that were murdered while on parole with me. And one last year that was murdered. He was off. He was actually one of my best kids that I've had since doing this. And, um, His history caught up with him. He was doing fine, but something from way back caught up with him and it just got him. And that pissed me off because when his mom called me, she was more hurt at the fact that they tried to say that he died of COVID instead of being shot in the back of the head. But I had a kid. Yeah, Yeah. this kid was shot in the back of his head. And they said it was a COVID-related death. But that's about COVID and I'm not going there. Um, I had a kid that was on parole with me who tried to rob somebody for their car. That person had CCW, shot back. He got hit in the neck. He died the day after Christmas. That was 2019. I feel, on one hand, I feel horrible because a kid died, but then it's like, damn, look what he was doing. Like, but that was me. I'm I'm going to defend myself too. Regardless of who it is, so you got to deal with that dichotomy. I it. The mental health of this job is can can be up and down. The mental health part is very up and down. Because in the Even, same, um,
0: like the girl that replaced me when I left, um I mean to this day, and it's been three years, she'll still send me news article or text me about you know juveniles I had back then who have died. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's you know. It's like, geez, you know what I mean? They're still out there years later. Now they're adults, still doing the same foolishness that they were doing as juveniles.
1: You know, I don't and get. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, I don't get that as much. I know in the city I'm in, one of my former kids was killed by the police, and that was a high because he was uh, he wasn't even doing anything wrong, from what the people were saying. And that was like a high, as I like, we're sorry, we're sorry. It, it made national news because this kid didn't do anything wrong and the police just killed him. But I don't get that many of my kids coming back or they're showing me articles of them doing anything stupid. I mean, knock on wood, because I have a good track record of that. Uh, I get a lot of my kids graduating from college or having babies and stuff like that, so... Mine's just more positive than negative, thank God. <laughs> but I do get some that are pretty bad. It's like, damn, man, he still ain't get it. So, yeah. All
0: right, well, let's kind of change the mood up as we, as we get closer to the end. Go ahead and talk to our Two hats family members that are, you know, looking to get into juvenile probation,
1: juvenile parole. Talk, talk to them, tell them why they should. If you really want to go in this line of work, have the passion to do it. Um, A lot of people just get jobs because they think it's cool. If you don't feel it in your gut to really want to help people and help your community, stay away because we don't need you. We want those who really want to make changes, who want to help people, who's willing to really put in the sweat and work at the equity to really change things. So if you are looking to get into this, Understand there's going to be a lot of nights where you might take work home with you, even though you try not to. Um, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs within 10 minutes of each other. It's going to be days where you're going to be like, F this. There's going to be days where you're going to love it. But make sure you have the passion to want to do it more than anything. Because it's a, in the grand scheme of things, this is a very selfless job. Like We don't get much attention, and that's whatever, but if you're just looking to get kudos, this ain't the place for you. You got to really want to do this type of work. You really got to want to help people because at the end of the day, we're all one decision away from being who we supervise on the streets. So don't try to look at them as they're less than because you don't know the circumstances they come from. Stuff of that nature. Like right? Really try to understand the clientele that you're working with. Um, just have mainly passion. Like, I, 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 I would actually do this for free if I could. And that sounds crazy, but I love what I do. I really love I what it I do.
2: Goes for adult too, adult and uh, juvenile. You, you have to have compassion for people.
1: Have to. So be ready to strap up and be in it for the long haul because those that you work with will know if you truly care or not. They know. Regardless of how they treat you, they know if you care. i hope i didn't scare people away <laughs> but i just had to give the honest i just had to give the honest truth
0: no i think everything, everything you said is is, is true and i do i do feel their officers they're gonna get into this job for the wrong reasons um but hopefully you know the majority of us are in it for the right reasons and it is to you know to be a change agent you know what i mean to help That's somebody okay. change their lives get back on track um you know but in the end you know it's our job to hold them accountable because you know these are our communities that we you know live and work in too so we care about them so yes the community,
1: community is the customer
0: exactly uh you got any uh any igs
1: or anything you want to shout out uh i mean if y'all want to follow my personal life which is born they call me white i just talk about cologne to the gun range and Dragon Ball Z, but other than that, i will be chilling. <laughs> I don't really have no other social media. I don't even... Social media is, is... is. If I get rid of IG, I might I might do it in that chair and just be a hermit. Real, real. Uh, I'd, rather, uh, I'd rather be in real life than social media, to be honest with you.
0: Well, Dwight, we appreciate you for being a family member here on the Two Hats podcast. Thank we you all for having a platform for
1: being Thank you for having a platform like this for us to talk for real. Seriously. I, I this is, Thank you. Thank both of you. Seriously.
2: Oh, it's our pleasure. and We love it. <laughs> if this,
1: this there's, there's any way I can help, I can spread the word or whatever. Just let me know anything I can do to help y'all raise your platform. Seriously.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely spread the word. We are on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Spotify, we are out there. However you want to listen to us, listen to us. Definitely tell all your friends. We got some really great episodes. I don't know if you've listened to our, our previous episodes. We have some really good ones. We've had some great interviews.
1: Not actually, the you. I was telling Brittany earlier before we started recording, it was y'all two talking on YouTube that made me reach out to Brittany because I'm like, this. I've been looking for something like this to just talk. We don't have many communities. That's for us. So thank y'all for, for pioneering this that, for real. Seriously. I'm about to flood my 400 followers as soon as I'm done with this.
2: <laughs> That's what's up.
1: So thank y'all.
0: Hey, man, we appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Uh, everybody, make sure y'all uh, like, share, subscribe. Leave some comments below. Leave some comments on our IG page at Two Hats Two Podcast. Um, on instagram uh our our uh, email address is two hats podcast at gmail if you guys want to be on if you guys if somebody wants to be on for an interview let us know we can make arrangements um definitely make sure you guys follow us